Well, some of you may be wondering why the t-shirt this morning. And uh, actually, there was a few t-shirts like this circumventing and circulating around here because that's my wife and my two grandchildren, Josiah and Aubrey Faith, and uh, cousins. And we, of course, those of you that are here and those of you watch normally know that we were gone this past week. And by the way, I understand that uh, Homer did an awesome job, as he always does. I haven't heard that message, but I will listen to it. Gary Carpenter told me it was really good, so Gary's a credible source, I believe, to judge such things. So uh, we went to the Ark Encounter in, uh, in Kentucky, Williamstown, Kentucky, and uh, it's just south of Cincinnati, and of course, it's been a desire of mine for the last couple of years to take those kids there. I'd been there before myself because they're 10-year-olds, and uh, I know that in the next few years going into middle school and then high school, they're going to be challenged in a lot of different ways. It was very important for me to just put that image in front of them. They're both born again, but to be able to see the image of not only creation, but the, the flood and, and those kinds of things. And unbeknowing to me, I had no idea until yesterday the Lord began to move on me to be to share some of that trip and to read the account of Noah um, to you this morning. Now, we're going to, it might seem a little belaboring this morning because we're going to spend more time just reading some scripture uh, than we normally do, but that's okay because scripture's perfect, right? If you come to church and just read scripture, that's enough. But on our trek, on our travels to revival, one of the things that uh, began to speak to my heart is the testimony of Noah. You know, a few weeks ago, we did a very, very, you know, upfront message uh, concerning um, Lot, because Jesus refers to Lot and Noah as signs of his coming in the last day. And I, I don't, it may, I don't know if I can remember the title, like evil testifying of, of the coming revival, something that sort. Um, it was more, you know, put together than that, than that, but Jesus was testifying because they asked him the question, what's the sign of your coming? Candy will look up the title, um, and he gives two examples right to start with, and uh, he shares those, and we went over one of those was as it was in the days of Lot, and then we shared a lot of different things that were were happening and actually showed, which we don't do a lot around here, but we, we showed a clip uh, that was very, you know, upfront, confrontational about uh, the gay agenda and LGBT and, and listed a bunch of uh, things in that. What is it? Evil's witness of revival. And so we do have that witness, but we also have another witness that Jesus referred to, and it was as in the days of Noah. So yesterday, as he often does, he just started coming on me for the purpose of sharing. This is not, this message is not kind of a, I want to share our field trip with you, although that would be okay, but it's much more than that. It's a continual witness of our purpose and what we've been assigned to, and that is to bring a revival of signs and wonders um, to this region for the purpose of the harvest, seeing a great harvest take place. 
And so this morning, um, let me just read. You don't have to turn here yet. You can, but I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 24, just a few verses, and then out of Hebrews, but then we're going to go to some extensive reading out of the book of Genesis. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. One of the things that is testified there is not only as it was in the days of Noah, which when you go back and you look at it, extreme violence, extreme perversion, you know, almost like lots, but lots more of the isolation of the perversion part. Noah speaks of extreme violence, which was also coupled with uh, the perversion of the day. But one of the incredible signs that I want us to catch right here is that Jesus said, basically, they just continued in a natural fashion. That as the days were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah, it says Noe, but it's Noah, entered into the ark. And so what he's saying there, it just caught the world in an unexpected fashion. They just continued to do what they were doing. Revival is this outpouring, this Joel's army that God's putting together presently. And I like the way that Mario Morello said it the, the other day. He says, we're no longer should be thinking in the sense of we're a remnant. He said, we've moved past a remnant. And I like that. We're a movement now. Amen. So he said, basically, he said, you want to see it? It's happening. Come to California. It's happening. These cities are being turned around in a sense that people are turning out by the thousands and uh, miracles are taking place signs and wonders are taking place so we are we're, it is a growing thing um, it's a, a supernatural movement of God that's taking place not just in California but any place where people are calling on the presence of God and, and, and interceding Sunday night we'll be here tonight praying and interceding and calling on God for this purpose and confessing before the Lord these things don't just happen by the sovereignty of God. If they did, it would have already happened. But when people who have the authority to do so begin to practice and believe what Jesus said and carry that out, things take place. But in this, what I just read, Jesus said it just, life was just carrying on as it normally was for them in their violence, in their perversion, whatever. Hebrews 11, <clears throat> verse 6, the writer of Hebrews says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. So, one of the things that I, I, I see in that, among a whole lot of other stuff, a lot of, a lot of other things, is that Noah's, he prepared an ark without any of the signs. 
you know, any of the precursors of it, this is going to take place. Actually, Genesis, I believe it's 2, 7 says, and it's kind of, it, it's a reference to where it's understood that there really probably wasn't even any rain on the earth prior to uh, this flood. What does that speak to us? Well, our forefathers, we know, we, you can read about, we've had, you know, we've done studies in here on revivals. We've done studies, we, we've got the Word, we've got the book of Acts. But there's no such precursor, if you want to say it that way, in our generation where we can follow. All we're following present tense, and I don't want to say all we're following, but what we're following presently is this Word and His prophetic words that we've received that a revival is coming the such like we've never seen before and that we need to get ready for it. Noah had such a same kind of word. There was no rain. There was nothing taking place. And we'll read. I, I wanna, don't want to get ahead of myself because we've got quite a bit of reading here. So um, let's go to Genesis chapter 5. I'm going to listen because I have a lot of, of uh, scripture here. For those of you especially that are not familiar, because when we're talking about that this is one of the signs of the end of time, uh, we really want to make sure that you're very accustomed to, to Noah. But as I said, I want to listen because there's so, much, so many verses, uh, we may move past some of them for the sake of time this morning. In the latter part of uh, chapter 5, we're introduced to Noah, I think it's verse 28, um, it says, And Lamech, that's his father, lived a hundred and eighty and two years and begat a son, called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and our toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred and ninety years and begat sons and daughters. And the days of Lamech were 770 and seven years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Um, what we're going to see in a few moments, in a little bit, is some, and I'm not really a big person on slide, this is not a slide show, but I want to, I, I did, and I had no idea, you know, when I'm click, clicking off pictures, that we didn't show any of this because I'm not like show and tell that's not really my deal but what I want you to see in a little bit is the exact replica of the stuff uh, that we're reading the information that we're reading out of the book of Genesis so that the reality of it sets into you um, in not only understanding what happened then but the promise then that he made to Noah, and how that Jesus references him as being something that will be taking place, you know, prior to his coming. And so we've said this before. Here, here's, here's our assurance. Here's where, here's, here's our, you know, our case in point, is that if all of these things are going to be taking place prior to his coming, we also have extreme evidence by the word of God that prior to his coming is this great outpouring of his spirit. See, the world hasn't seen, and even the church world hasn't seen, uh, what God wants to billboard or showcase uh, 
as his kingdom. They've seen present tense a powerless church, a church with a, I hate to say it, a greasy grace doctrine. You don't have to repent, just go ahead and keep doing it. And so because the, the gospel has been so watered down, it's become a gray, do, a gray gospel when it never was. It was supposed to be an absolute. Not only was he able to heal, he was able to present tense. Or not only was he able to save, but he was able to present tense heal. Signs and wonders. And so in the last days, what's going to take place in regards to our hope, and specifically, again, I'm referring back to revival. How often you hear messages on that when you come into this house. And the how-tos to get there. The how-tos to absolutely put ourselves in a position to receive this outpouring. Because I'm going to tell you, as sure as I stand here and live and breathe, this house is not going to be able to hold us. The parking lot will be full of people. We will be baptizing them by the hundreds. The field, if it's this field or some other field, will be full of people calling on the name of the Lord. This thing will take place. It is scheduled in heaven. I believe it has been released. Scripture will verify it. And the prophetic words that we have received have also continued to verify it. As we look at Noah this morning, as we're going to look at some slides here in a little bit, and we'll pass through those kind of rather quickly. Um, but I want us to look at chapter 6, and we'll read down, and then I'll comment as, uh, you know, as the Lord directs me. But chapter 6 of the book of Genesis just introduced Noah. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. This is just talking about a cross-pollinization of, of, of different generations of people. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be as a hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth, in those days and also after that when the sons of God came into the daughters of men that they bear children unto them the same became mighty men which are old men of renown and God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually it's he's talking about a world that absolutely was um, totally saturated one of the things that we'll see in just a moment when we look at and i'll have to this is all kind of sketchy I'm, there's there's no this is not polished i'm not trying to make it polished as far as trying to present this slideshow to you I'll, i'm going to have to look at my phone kind of as i'm because you won't be able to see some of the captions on the screen but the probability of a world that was 1,656 years, I think, into already its existence. And I might be wrong on that. I'll, we'll read that in a moment together. Um, there is the, the experts that can figure out things. They have so much per year, per percentage of growth, starting with just two people. So uh, the low number, I'll tell you this from, from my memory, the low number is like in the hundreds of millions. The high number, not at an, ex, you know, like an exaggerated wow kind of, this is crazy kind of, like a one point, 
8% or 4% annual growth of people could have numbered 300 and something, no, that's wrong. I believe 90 something billion people on the planet at the time of the flood. If you split those numbers, you're still talking about hundreds of millions or billions of people. Meaning this, that us now at 8 billion people on the planet could have been a small number compared to the number of people that were presently putting into it, you know, putting into um, the calculation or the understanding that people were living eight, nine hundred years at that time. And so 1,600 and something years of existence on the earth. So what am I saying? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that this was cataclysmic. There were millions and billions, possibly way more people in existence then uh, than there is now. So if you're thinking when we read about when Jesus refers to Noah and you're thinking about, wow, this was, this was really, you know, there's small boat, few people outside, you know, we're talking about a world population, very possible, that would far exceed the world population today. And so it was very, when Jesus refers to this and when Genesis refers to this, it's an incredible thing that took place. God starts completely over once again with eight people. And the, Old, and the New Testament refers to it several different times. Now let's continue on uh, reading verse 5 again. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved his heart. Now, that's an amazing. God actually was like, I'm sorry to myself. Nobody else to be sorry to, but I'm sorry to myself that I never created man. That's a pitiful situation. How evil was the earth with all these billions of people in existence? And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both, male, both man and beast, and the creeping things and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. But Noah, praise God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah, uh, who was a just man and perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah begat his sons Sham, Ham, and Jepheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth just take note of that because we're going to reference something in the new testament in a little in a little while concerning that and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. That's another thing to note because you'll see that in a few moments. Some of you may have already visited there. Some of the people I'm wa that are watching this morning, you visited. So you already have the image of some of the things I'm uh, going to show in just a few moments. And the Lord said that you shall pitch it within and without with pitch. It's a form of tar or something that was a sealant. It's incredible how the, the Lord showed them how to do this. And this is the fashion in which thou shalt make it. 
The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, in a cubit shalt thou fashion it, and the door of the ark shalt, shalt thou set in the side thereof, with a lower, second, third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do a thing, bring, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is life, a breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to, bring, to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come into thee, shall come into thee to keep them alive. I'll stop right there before I read these next two verses in this chapter. Some of you have heard this, some of you understand this before if you've uh, followed creation science. Uh, a few years ago when we made our first um, when we, we went up to Jim Martin's conference, and then there was a couple there that said, let's go down and see the, uh, the ark. We had a couple days prior to the conference starting. And uh, we also went to the, the Creation Museum. Well, it just so happened after we saw the ark and went to the Creation Museum that um, uh, at the end of our tour through the Creation Museum that... Uh, Ken Ham, Dr. Ken Ham, which is the CEO and the founder of the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, was just standing over the side and he was signing books. And uh, so we got a chance to meet him, if not really engage in conversation, but get a book signed and, and, uh, and, and a, a photograph with him. What do you call that? Fangirl. We were fangirling. That's what she says. Fangirling. So we, we got a chance to meet him. Wonderful guy. Um, but the science and the scientists, the creational scientists that have went into to, uh, not only building the ark, but giving an understanding. When the Bible talks about the word kind here, it's not talking, it's not the word species. It's not talking about that every kind of dog, you know, the greyhound, the poodle, the, you know, the chihuahua, the bulldog. It's not talking about all those kinds of, it's talking about a much broader sense of the word, meaning the genetics, meaning this, God only put two dogs on there. The genetic codes for all other dogs were in those two animal, animals. He didn't put every breed of cattle in there. He put two cattle in there. And uh, when you understand, if you go there and you read through and you can take the time, um, there were thousands of animals on there, but of course, you know, as you're growing up and as a little kid, you think this big boat and it's a, you don't even think about, uh, you know, well, you think this maybe this hollow shell and all these thousands of animals are, you know, creeping around in there. It was a very, very extremely organized um, uh, ship and it was uh, built with, it was compartmentalized and we just read that where the Lord said to put rooms in it. And so every kind was, uh, you know, one of every type of animal. 
And of course, all marine life, even fresh water, um, didn't have to go in there, which is a big part. Um, and, you know, they explain how that even freshwater and saltwater fish uh, could survive during that time, how the things become brackish. It's on and on. The science is really there, and it's, it's wonderful. And we'll look at some of that in just a moment. But I just wanted the, the, the Bible repeats everyone after his kind. So um, everything was done in an order in which all that God needed to start over again was the genetic code. You know, we're all, we all started from two people. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or brown or, you know, Asian. The genetic code in Adam and Eve eventually, you know, progressed. God boiled it down to eight people. But those three men that came off the ark that were the sons of Noah, uh, Sham, Ham, and Jephthah, every single one of them had inside of them, they, they were all brothers, but every single one of them had the genetic code. It doesn't matter if you have kinky hair or straight hair, every single one of them had inside of them. God didn't just start another race. Every one of them had inside of them all the races. Same way with the animals, all of every type of animal um, and when you begin to look, and we'll see maybe a little bit more of it, how did he put uh, all these different animals in there? How did he put 85 different kinds of dinosaurs in there? And, you know, yes, the dinosaurs were there, and they explain uh, that, away, you know, they, they explain it in infinite detail. Um, of course, God didn't bring in a full-grown elephant. He brought in juveniles in which the average, the average weight of an animal on the ark was 22 pounds. It's pretty amazing. Thousands of juveniles were, were brought on the ark, and here it's amazing because it says that God brought them. And uh, of the fowl, verse 20, after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee. So God said, I'll bring them unto you. They'll come unto thee. You didn't, you, Noah didn't have time to go out there and try to find them. Um, and it says, And take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and shalt, shall be for food for thee and for them. And thus did Noah according to all that God had commanded him. So did he. That's the other thing, too, that, you know, it kind of escapes people, at least it did for me, is the relevance of... Um, what the storage had to take place, the water they had to, to store, the food they had to store, not only for themselves, but for animals. Um, and for all of how meticulous God was in the design of all this, in the information that he poured into Noah for this to take place. Now, what relevance does that have to us spiritually this morning? I'll tell you everything in the world because God has intricately planned this outpouring. He's intricately planned your life. Jesus, of course, if you want to understand what the ark was, Jesus, the ark was a testimony of Jesus. Come into the ark. Noah preached. Noah preached. His preaching was evangelism. His preaching might not have been the evangelism of going to all through the cities, but you've got this mammoth-sized ship sitting out there in the plains 
you know, away, a plains, when I say plains, I'm talking about forest that had been used up and consumed all around him. For a hundred years, people from all over the earth could, and the earth, the other thing too, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a scientist and there's no, I'm not even going to play scientist this morning because I'd get in trouble, but there's different replicas and there's different science to, to validate that all the continents at one time were connected. If you ever see, if you ever look at the, you know, a, a globe, you can take, and especially if you have a computer, you can take all those continents and put them together like a puzzle. When the fountains were broken up and all of the deep comes up and those volcanic eruptions took place and the platelets of the, the continents began to shift during that time, they began to divide themselves one from another. So all I'm saying is this, it was very well possible for people from, no matter how many people there was, to be able to, at least millions of them, if they wanted to visit and see what at that time was something that was being very well scoffed at. There's this crazy guy, absolutely crazy, that keeps saying there's going to be a flood and we don't even know what rain is hardly. We, you know, there's a concept that some, the water's going to fall from the sky. It's never happened. He's an idiot. And he keeps saying that we need to change from our perversion and our violence. And his, the testimony is out there. So we could go on all day about the ark and Christ and the typologies and how that Christ is. He was inviting them to come in. Well, somebody might say, well... <laughs> There sure wouldn't have been enough room for billions of people. No, but, but here's the thing. If millions and billions would have repented, I believe with all my heart God would have changed his mind. If he had said, if, if they had, if they had months in advance said, you know what, this testimony before us, uh, we, okay, we believe, we believe you. There's many different examples in the word where God changed his mind. Of course, he knew what he was going to do to begin with, but he's asking people, He's asking people to turn his heart through prayer and through intercession. So the word says here, as we continue on, And the Lord, verse 1 of 7, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee seven. So he added some because there was going to be sacrifices after the ark uh, landed. The male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean, by twos, the male and his female, and of the fowl also of the air, by seven, and the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth. He's saying, yet in seven days. Cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made I will destroy upon the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wives, and his wife and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. And of the clean beast and the beasts that were not clean, and of the fowl, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. And there went in two and two unto the Noah, 
unto Noah and to the ark, and the male and the female as God has commanded Noah. Now, I'll just stop right there to say this. You'll see in a few moments um, that as the ark was built, God, you know, put a door in it. Later, we read where God actually was the one in the end that closed the door. Um, But, you know, I always thought in my mind, and of course, I've known for years since I've visited and reread this several times. I mean, this this door was high. It, it was way above, and it was almost like above waterline. Um, and so there was, an incredible, there was an incredible ramp that was built to ramp these animals, even though they were juveniles, many of, you know, by the thousands coming on there, um, for them to be able to get up high enough into the, into the stories necessary for them to go into their particular cages. And so the word says here... Um, after seven, it came to pass, verse uh, 10, it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And in the 600th year, now this is, this, I, li- I love this verse. It may not, you may not catch it to start with. We ministered on it one time before in, the, in its essence to us, revival, and the things that God has called us to. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. The significance of that is this. When God gets real detailed, I mean, here the earth had been for all these years. If you calculate it out, it took Noah about 100 years to build this ark. So for 100 years, he's been preaching, not so much necessarily you know, going from town to town, but his preaching was the building of the ark. And for a hundred years, this is going on. And people are like, this isn't going to take place. Jesus said this in Matthew 26. They did what they did until the time that it was no longer able to. I mean, it was over. For us, we keep praying. This is my encouragement. This is, the, this is one of the major points this morning. The word says here in the second month. On, you could say this, on the 17th day of the month, uh, or in the, fifth, uh, the 600th year, the second month, the 17th day, revival started. <laughs> or the move on which God had promised to take place. Then it was judgment. For us, listen, I don't know that I'll get to the latter part of several different scriptures. I'll probably just need to exhort it more than anything else. Peter says this, that the end is coming as it was in the days of Noah. Then it was a flood. In that time, it's going to be, the earth is going to be consumed by fire. I don't know that I'll get there or not to those scriptures. I'd love to, but I don't know as far as when we get. But the reason why God was able to judge the earth then is because he brought a condemnation on the earth, the sinners, through the righteousness of Noah. In the hour that we live in, the earth has not seen, the church has not seen, the revival. We have the scriptures, that's, that's enough. We have, we know the blood of Jesus exists, but I'm talking about something so in the face of the world. 
like the ark that they're able to see it. The word Jesus said, Noah condemned the world. The Lord is asking us in this sense of the word. His righteous judgment is coming to this earth. We know that. The day and hour, there's a day and hour in which the word says in Peter that this earth is going to be consumed. And then he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Somebody said, how in the world is God going to put all the billions of people that have ever lived before us? Well, one thing is, it's not this earth. He says the word tells us in Peter, and it, it tells us that that earth is totally dissolved, and he creates a new heaven and a new earth. That earth could very possibly, you know, did you know, and I don't want to get too scientific for you this morning, but this is a small planet that we live on. Science tells us, I think it's 100, I'm trying to remember, I haven't thought of this in years, I think it's 100 and mil, 180 million Earths could fit in our sun. In other words, if the sun was hollow, you could put 180 million, that tells you we're really small. Our sun, in other regards to other stars, um, there are other stars out there that they have, they've, they've been able to determine the size that our sun, by reason of their size, is only a peanut size to something that maybe would be, I've seen the graphics on it, you could put millions of our suns in one of those stars, which tells us this, those billions of people that were before the flood, I don't want to get too far, uh, the, the children, the children that died in the flood, and all of the, mil the billions of people, because they weren't accountable, so they, they got to hear the preaching of Jesus uh, when he went into Abraham's bosom. But all of those are going to exist with us as well on a place called heaven. God's got this thing all worked out. Then in that day and hour, when it started to rain, Look at verse 11 again. It says in the 600th year, gives you the month, gives you the time. In other words, God, even though man did not believe it was going to take place, it absolutely took place. Verse 12 says this, And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing after that creepeth upon the earth after his kind every fowl after his kind every bird after every sort of every sort and they went in into unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life and they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark. And it was lift up above the earth, and the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits 
Upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And every man and all the, whose nostrils was the breath of life and all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance that was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things. Just a little bit more. And the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth a hundred and fifty days. Now what we're going to do is, because of the sake of time, and I can tell, and I won't push the issue as far as scripture, as far as time. I want, to, I want you to see some of this so we get a graphic um, understanding of you know, what it looks like. Some of you have seen this. Harry will help us out, and I'm going to, as I said, it'll be sketchy a little bit. I want you to see it. It's, it's not, this is not just for me to demonstrate a field trip with my family, although I'm really glad that we got to go, but it's far more than that. Um, I want you to see some of the, the things so that you'll understand that what was developed came out of just God speaking to a man and saying, I want you to do something, although you've never seen I want you to prepare an ark. Our ark to the world today is revival. Our ark is to say there is a generation out there, there is a generation of millennials that have never seen the power of God. One of the reasons why they, they think it's okay to you know, uh, call themselves a believer and you know, sleep here and sleep there and sleep there and get drunk on Friday night is because they've never, one, they've heard a watered-down gospel, two, but they've never seen the power of God. They've never seen the demonstration of the power of God. We're going back to a place in time where the Holy Spirit is going to revive all those things through our prayers so that this generation is very accountable so that when he comes back, he's able to judge this generation because he's, the Lord is able, you know, I'm not the one doing the judging, but he'll be able to say, I put in front of you an exact replica of what the first church was. The first church has not been demonstrated in many, many centuries, but it will once again. Amen? So we'll go ahead and, uh, uh, Sarah, can you catch those lights? And I don't know, ex I'm going to kind of, so I'll have to move along with my phone. There, oh, there you go. Okay, great. That's where you guys are at. So I, I will tell you this. You see this family that's in front of the rainbow? Uh, I think he said we don't, I, Marty said we could just leave those uh, up. Thanks. Do you want them just left up, Marty? Or what do you think? It doesn't matter? What would you like? <laughs> Off, okay. Mike, you get the... <laughs> okay. So, um, I, I will tell you this. Listen, we're taking back the rainbow, okay? No, 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 that's wrong. The, w w the rainbow belongs to us. We're not taking it back. The rainbow belongs to us, okay? So um, go ahead and, and move along. Um, so there's a, see, there's no way for me to tell you how mammoth this thing is. This is behind us. Um, you can see a pond. This is way, way, way behind us, maybe a couple of hundred yards or more. And um, so if if somebody was standing over there that'd be just to be a teeny teeny kind of little guy 
but this thing is huge, and you can see the ramp, and you see the door, and uh, it kind of gives you a better visualization of, um, you know, how that Noah got all the animals up there. So go ahead and next. Oh, see, this, this is a beautiful couple. I think that's Noah and his wife. And they, they actually, you know, I don't know how they got in there, but they were actually our tour guides when uh, we, we got started. So go ahead. So some of this, you, you may be able to read that, but if you can, I'm going to expand my. Noah in his 600 year, and um, it says much has happened. His father Lamech has passed away five years ago, and his grandfather Methuselah died in the past year at 969 of course we know that's the oldest man that ever was recorded seven days ago the lord commanded noah to enter the ark along with his family so noah his wife zerah does say her name in the bible and so we've got that there and their sons and their wives and of course all the animals so you can move on um you'll see this cap you'll see this picture in just a moment i don't want to read through the whole thing here for sake of time but uh, there was a lot of storage. We read, read that in the, in the first chapter that we read there. Uh, the Lord instructed Noah to take uh, aboard the ark enough food for his family and for all the animals. And so it describes, next caption, it describes what's probably in all of these. And this is just a small portion. I mean, you'll just see row after row after row what, you know, scholars and different creation scientists believed was just in those few verses of store enough for yourself and for the animals. Also, there was a, continue, there was a, a seed storage so that they could replenish the earth with seed and, and all kinds of different things. It's incredible the science that went behind it. Go to the next caption. Um, Noah's a model. I wish that you could look at all that. We won't spend time there, but how compartmentalized this. This wasn't just a big, empty hole boat. It was very real. Again, we're wanting to get across to you that are watching and you that are here. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe your imagination already had this in tow. But it's so important that we understand the realities that this did happen. It took place. The word tells us also in Peter that in the end, there, there will be willingly, they will be willingly ignorant and scoff of not only creation, but of the flood as well. If we could get to that, we would. I don't know that we'll get there for the sake of time. Next caption. All, everything fits. You'll, you, you can't read that. Let me, just, let me give you some, some statistics. Some of you might be wondering, is this church? Yeah, it's church because it's the reality of Scripture. I want you to listen to this. Let me enlarge this here. As I said, everything's kind of sketchy. Um, Current, it's current estimates from the Ark Encounter researches place 1,398 animal kinds, much more animals than that, that were on board. Each of these animal kinds and their basic needs is kind of depicted here in this chart. Um, some of you will see this. It's estimated that based on the monthly needs that 322,400 uh, total gallons of water were needed. They also had a cistern in which they could catch um, gallons of water. Um, 285,300 gallons in the cistern. Um, and it kind of breaks it down. Uh, of course, as I said, you can't see that. 
there was 400 tons of food stored, various grains, seeds, nuts, preserved, that was in all those different pots and different things that I showed you earlier. Um, 15,000 food storage vessels. Uh, let me skip on down. It gives you here that the uh, average weight, 85% of animals weighed were appro approximately, they're estimating around 22 pounds. I appreciate uh, Josiah, my grandson. I, I was looking through some of the stuff I felt like I wanted to, it was really pertinent. We could have spent a lot more time on a lot of different um, captions, but he was snapping shots like crazy. So I, I took the phone he was using and got some of those from, from, from his uh, from his Nana's phone last night. So there was eight people, of course, on board. Um, this is, this is uh, pretty amazing to me. Eight persons, daily labor. Um, one person was dealing with, they estimated human food and special diets. Three persons were cleaning the cages. Every day, all the cages had to be cleaned. Five persons, a point five, or it says, um, I don't know who the point five was, was uh, shoveling waste from the pit to the pump. Um, I would not have, be, do, do you understand that if you feed something, it poops? <laughs> do you understand that? I mean, that's, that's not rocket science. Somebody, my God, I came to church for the, miracle, the miraculous this morning. Okay, you, you got it. Here, here's, here's your clue. If you feed something, it goes to the restroom. Okay, so um, one person doing the watering, one person doing the feeding, 1.5 persons doing the laundry. You know, they were on there a year. That's how long, 11, 11 months and something days they were on that ark. Eight people were together on that ark. Um, 22 extra large cages, 308 bird cages, 186 large cases, uh, cages, 174 small cages, 293 medium cages. The, the dimensions of, um, you know, it's incredible. If you could pull it out or, you know, volume, the volume of space on the inside, 447 tractor trailers could fit. You know how what a tractor trailer, that's a pretty big, could fit inside the ark. Um, it was 85 feet long, 51 feet high. And um, so you'll, you kind of get an image of that. The Titanic, it gives you there. You can't see that. The Titanic was 883 feet long. Um, the ark was 510 feet long. That's pretty good. Uh, the Statue of Liberty is only 306 feet long. So it kind of gives you a dimension. Next, next picture, please. So I'm not really sure where... Okay, so you can go on, just, uh, let's see here, let me close mine, I need, as I said, it's very sketchy. Uh, show the next, okay, all I want you to see there is the mammoth size of the hull and how big it was, and go to the next, and you know, an engineer, if you have an, if you have an engineer mind or a builder's mind, it's just incredible when you read, um, you know, all the engineering that went into this. And you'll say, well, what, you know, all the different things um, like the metal works and stuff. Somebody said, well, they didn't have nail. You, listen, 1,600 and something years had been in development. Prior to, I think it's Genesis 4, it tells us, it gives the generations of the artificers and the different ones that worked with metal, uh, metal 
these people were not cavemen. They had already, they had already engineered metal works. They were already mining ore. They had already built. Uh, they already had, they could, they could, they had plenty, they had nails. They had, but also the engineering in which went into this, the different uh, structures of groove and fit, how that they would put all of this together. But, um, you know, there was a lot of what we think is like, wow, they just couldn't. There was a lot of metal also as far as nails and different facets, things that could put things together throughout the ark. Next caption. So um, it, get, it tells you here, you know, basically uh, how long it would have taken the maximum years to build the ark. Um, minimum years is 75 according to scripture. Maximum years would be 100. Next picture. Um, the dinosaurs, that was, that was really interesting to me, and they have, you know, because some people say, well, dinosaurs, you know, that goes against creation science. Absolutely not. You can't deny when they, when they mine, when, they, when an archaeologist uh, or a paleontologist, you know, actually extracts something from the earth and puts it up there, that's not fake. Those mammoths did exist. Those tyrannosauruses did exist. They exist. But they had their day, and many of them, you know, for the most part, all of them uh, could not survive during um, their place of existence during the ice, a short ice age. 85, up to 85 kinds of dinosaurs did, um, were put on the ark, and he just, it says he just needed two of, of each kind, and of course, they were juveniles. Go to the next. This thing, is, oh, who's this guy? This is, okay. That's pr probably one of Noah's great, 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 great grandsons. Okay, go ahead. And so um, more just captions. Uh, won't go into the full extent of that. It's just talking about a perfect, you know, it showed images of what it might have been like prior to the flood. Next. Uh, and of course, all this comes about by the disintegration of the first murder and going forward. If we had time in which we don't, um, it's amazing, you know, there's this cleansing, God says, you know, I, it repents me, it repents me that I have created man, but Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. For over 1,600 years, the earth has been in existence, and it gets incredibly corrupt. There's no, okay, there's no written word like this that they had to go by. The law is many centuries later, with Moses coming along, um, but there was an tra oral tradition. They knew from the very beginning the punishment that Cain, you know, suffered as a result of, you know, killing his brother Abel. They knew from the beginning from what was passed down, and the other thing to understand is this, when we say they lived hundreds and hundreds of years, the closeness of the relative or the, rel the relevance of a grandfather being able to pass down because Noah, I mean, uh, Adam, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers. Adam lived several hundred years, let's say seven or 800 years. He would have seen multitudes or, or many different generations. It wasn't like somebody lives a 700 years, they die, and then the next one starts. These guys were like living on the earth all at the same time. So what you know, what Adam experienced, he was able to immediately, by word of mouth, transfer to guys like Methuselah or guys like, 
you know, what I'm saying is his grandsons were right there with him on the, on the planet at the same time. But the amazing part is this, and we don't have time. I know we don't have time. Even though there was a cleansing, there was a catharsis, if you want to use a big word, there was an absolute cleansing of the earth. God says, man's going to, I repents me that I, as soon as it's over, and as soon as, we can't read the rest of the story, but of course there was a major flood. They all survived the 11 and a half months or however long they were in there. As soon as they get off the ark, here's the thing. We understand this. Devils and fallen human nature survived the flood. It came on the other side. It didn't get cleansed. God starts over again with Noah, his three sons and their wives, but immediately in the ninth chapter, immediately in the ninth chapter, and I'll be kind of nice in this, and we don't have a whole lot of children in here, but immediately at the ninth chapter, you see one of Noah's grandsons, Canaan, committing while Noah was drunken and didn't know what was going on, immediately find in the ninth chapter that he commits sodomy on his grandfather. It's right there, the last part of the ninth chapter. So what I'm saying is all of the ugliness and all of the everything that God destroyed prior to the flood just came over on the other side because you can't, obviously, you can't, the, de the devils that were alive on the planet, they just, the water didn't kill them, and the fallen human nature. So what are you saying all that in this, or in that, Pastor? From that time on till now, it has been growing again. There's, all, there's coming a coming judgment. We are the generation that are to stand in the gap and pray for a great, I'm believing that, I'm believing that there's going to be over a billion people born again on the planet when Jesus comes back. Amen? Great harvest taking place. Next caption, go for Yep, so keep going. God banishes them. We just took a panoramic, some pictures of how uh, the artist rendition of how evil, the violence that were taking place um, prior to the flood. Again, huge cities. These aren't cavemen living in caves. You know, I, I want to take a conservative view as far as how many people. Uh, we'll probably see it here in a moment where it's 80 or 90 billion people. I would think that with 1,600 years into creation and people living 800 years, I would think the population of the earth was far more than it is right now. That's just my personal opinion. I don't have proof on that. Keep going. Violence, devastation, wars were taking place. Go ahead. Um, this is also uh, a rendition of an artist's work um, of the different, you know, evils. We, we find out later in the new in the old testament um, the different gods like Moloch, where there was child sacrifice which today is abortion by the way that spirit that spirit that ruled let's say in solomon's time going forward you know solomon built it's amazing i don't want to give too much information solomon in his backslidden days actually built a temple to Moloch that faced the temple that he built for God, what does that tell you? Get saved and stay saved. That the typology is don't walk away just because you're doing great things for God today. 
But the gods that were before the flood, those fake gods, of course, demon worship, this is a caption of something like a Moloch where they were sacrificing their children. Next caption, I don't know if it shows. Okay, so the, this guy is a high priest, and he's putting, you remember the, the message that Gary Carpenter did on Moloch, and he, and he, and he shared about how that um, the, the people would put uh, their child in the hands of, uh, now we have archaeologists that, that have gone back and reconstructed what that God kind of looked like, but it was a God of child sacrifice, and you would burn uh, an incredible, you would put a, it had a furnace in him, and uh, you would stoke this huge fire, and then you would lay your child into the, the uh, outstretched arms of uh, of this God, and of course, the child would be, would be uh, immediately would, would burn to death. So keep going, uh, just showing the wickedness and how the people were trying to repent um, after it was over, um, after the door was shut. Keep going, uh, keep going. More. This is some of the cages. Now these aren't real animals, but it would kind of give you a caption of what it would look like if you walked through there. Keep going. Um, next one, uh, just, I won't belabor that, but just imagining, you can see all these animals in a, in a, in a, uh, artist rendition of how they would assemble themselves and get ready to go into the ark. Okay, keep going. Um, this gives us, let me, let me find this place real quick. Uh, humor me for just a moment because I want to maybe read some of this, and I can't read it off of there. It turned around. Um, okay, let's see. As I said, this, the ark needed to house the ancestors of fewer than 34,000 land-dependent species. And it goes down to how all these species actually were, were uh, placed on the ark. So go ahead. Next one. We'll, we'll actually move through some of these rather fast. Next one goes into the argument, incredible argument against evolution of animals. In other words, you can have a kind with a genetic code of one dog can make, he can, you can pull out, you know, a greyhound. All, all dogs came from one, as I said before. The greyhound, the, right down to the chihuahua that were in there. But you can't take end that word kind and take a dog and make a cow out of him that's what evolution says listen <laughs> that doesn't happen so i know we're belaboring some science this morning but go ahead oh there's what is that what is that joe a what a velociraptor okay so he loves velociraptors there might have been okay on there but we know that there was dinosaurs different ones keep going keep going this is a caption of what it was like for Sham, Ham, or Japheth to feed the animals. How would you like to have been on there and be part of the feeding part? Of course, you know, they were in their cages and what that might have been like on a daily basis to feed the animals. Keep going. Uh, that's not a real lady there, but she's, she's, uh, that's one of the wives or probably uh, uh, Noah's wife feeding the animals. Go ahead. That's an interesting globe because it showed... Uh, how the, the, before the platelets of the continents were broken up, how the, they could have all been together at one time. Keep going. 
Obviously, there was a lot of writings. None of them came down to become our sacred writings, but there was a lot of writings before the flood that were stored. Um, keep going. Uh, just showing all the, the work that went into the building of the ark. Keep going. Um, keep going. Are you still with me? Okay, good. Wonderful. Keep, oh, this is, this is really neat because for 500 years, now this is, you don't have any word on this. Somebody said, well, some, uh, you don't have, no, you don't have word on this. You can only, there's a certain amount of speculation as far as, but for 500 years, Noah, God had to be preparing Noah, not just as in uh, spiritually, but the man had to be being built a basis of engineering and understanding to the point that all of his life prior to that, that he was able, listen, I bet the blueprinting as far as just absolutely sketching everything out took years to blueprint. And then all of everything that for 500 years God had been preparing his life, like he's preparing many of you, you know, you feel like, wow, we're, what am I going to do? Listen, keep praying in tongues, keep going forward. The end, I'd, listen, we say around here, you're not even old unless you're 100, okay? Don't die on me, okay? I, I need you for this revival. If you're in your 70s, if you're in your 80s, you're, you, we got a lot more we can use you with. I mean, you, you, you've got a promise. You've got a promise. Is the, the, the last promise, somebody said, when I was a kid, my grand, grandma used to quote, you know, out of Psalms, I think it's 90, you know, by reason of strength, you know, their days were, you know, three score and 10 and like 70. That has nothing to do with the longevity of life. That was talking about how that they were dying with Moses in the wilderness. The last slash, the last promise that this generation hasn't been changed all the way up to us. You can live to be 120 years old. I'm asking all of you to live that old to help me with this revival. Okay, at least fight for it. Praise God. Okay, so Noah was being, uh, he was being trained, keep going, um, acquiring skills, keep going, uh, keep going, yes sir, keep going. Oh, that's the door. Isn't that amazing? That's a big door, right? So Joe's almost as tall as me now, but um, can you imagine all those animals coming in there? And the Bible says that God shut the door. It's amazing. That's one door. God shut the door. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's it. Keep going. Oh, keep going. I don't know who that guy was. Keep going. These are ladies. They're not real, of course, but they're doing their daily chores. Uh, you know, there was stuff going on in the ark on the inside, and that was really neat. Keep going. You know, they're, obviously, they didn't work all day. They had casual time at, and in the evening, and they had their little cubicles. Keep going. That's one of the, that's Sham, Ham, or Japheth's uh, wife, and they're probably preparing dinner for everybody. Keep going. Storage rooms. They actually did grow some plants on the ark. Keep going. Growing food on the ark. Keep going. Next. Oh, that's a caption of Noah. Um, you know, working with the dove. You know, at the end, we didn't read, we didn't get into eight because we didn't have time. But Noah, or not, eight and nine, chapter nine. Noah actually sent out a dove to, at the end, uh, keep going. Cages, more cages, more cages, keep going. 
And Zerah, that's his wife, Noah's wife. Her name is mentioned in the Bible. Keep going. This is just how much uh, depiction-wise that the waters were above the earth. Okay? We're getting close. Keep going. Keep going. Ice Age goes into all that. I encourage any of you, keep going. If you ever get a chance, go. It's really neat. Uh, keep going. You know, we could, we could spend a lot of time on this. Keep going. Keep going. Again, this goes into every, all three couples. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in here this morning, if you're black, if you're white, if you're whatever, all, all of every mankind came out of, originally out of uh, Adam and Eve, but then after all that was you know, taken off the earth, you can trace our roots back to one of those three couples on the planet. So keep going. Keep going. How many? Oh, go back one more. Um, oh, that's the that's the caption. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna try to read it on my phone because we're about to close. But uh, at a 1.1 percent, you can't see it. I'm sure if you're watching. Oh, by the way, if I don't, I don't, I want to mention this. In a couple of weeks, we'll have a. I, I dare to say this because I've said what Mario Morello has said so many times. We're not after. Uh, big screen, skinny jeans, and fog machines, okay? But we are going to have a big TV up here, okay? So it'll, it'll help. A, a lady wrote us the other day, and she goes, I love your worship, but I can't see the words. And I, I, if she's listening today, we'll have a TV up here. Um, we, we've already got one purchased. It's a high definition. It'll be much easier to... We very seldom have displays like this. Most of our services are just ministering, preaching, and whatever. But if we do something like this, you'll need to see it. So give us a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, it's coming in. But at a 1.1% population growth from the time of creation, uh, excuse me, I'm going to have to find that because I want to make sure that I tell you exactly how many years. Is everybody still with me? Okay, I'll have you stand and we'll, in just a moment, we'll go out of here in the presence of the Lord. I told you this was sketchy. Uh, come on, Bronk, you can do this. Yep, there we go. Um, the earth years was 1,656. That's in a lower. But, they, but doing a, a scientific calculation, they said at a 1.1%, the population would have been 147,500, blah, blah, blah. Going down to a 1.4, I'm going to drop all down, all the way down. To a 1.4 growth rate from Adam and Eve to uh, the year 1656, there would have been 19,947. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So that's good. You can turn the lights back up. And thank you, Mike. Hallelujah. Just one. Let me read this for you. So we have a few more minutes. We, we've got plenty of time when the, the Lord's moving, and he is. But let me read this. You can follow along. But just in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, it says this in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is 1 Peter 3.15, because I know a lot of people like to look at their Bibles. Verse 16, having a good conscience 
that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it's better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. This is amazing. This is because Peter refers to Noah in a couple different places, in First Peter and in Second Peter, but he also references the time of the flood here in something that we really can't see. The word says here, concerning Christ, by which he went and preached unto spirits in prison. Now, the word prison here is not the word prison in the Hebrew like you would think of necessarily like an um, incarceration, but it breaks down to a holding place or a place of retention. And somebody asked me the other day, they asked me, they, they, it was a good question, they asked me, um, and it could be prefaced on, on these particular verses right here. They said, well, did when Christ went and preached to the souls in captivity, and of course we have um, Ephesians chapter 4 that talks about that he went in and led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men, that whole scripture, many of you know it. But they said, what about the people who died, you know, Prior to the flood, and this specifically is talking about the flood, did, was it talking about them, did Christ go and preach to them? Yes and no, a part of them, but not all of them as in those that died that were part of that entire wicked generation. Meaning this, those who died in wickedness and in violence uh, they didn't get a second chance. In other words, he didn't go and preach and said, okay, um, you, you died in the flood. Now I'm going to give you a second chance. Would you like to be converted? That's not scripturally sound. Obviously, God is no respecter of, of persons. If he did that, he'd have to do that with every generation. In other words, you missed the cross in your life. Yes, you're in hell, but I'm going to come to you again and see if you want to get out. <laughs> Well, obviously so. Everybody would want to give out, get out. But what this is talking about, and I'll read on and explain, and we'll close in just a moment. It says here, again, I'll, I'll start in verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which, he specific, gets specific here, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of Noah waited in the days, when the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Now let me back up, getting close to closing. But what he says here is, which, the, the, the ones that he's talking about, he says, which sometimes were disobedient. Well, if you'll remember, and we don't have time to go there, when we read in Genesis, it said the whole earth was corrupted. And this is not a contradiction. The whole earth was corrupt, corrupted, and it said every thought of man was evil continually, evil continually. The word sometimes here in the Hebrew means at times or occasionally, meaning 
not being fully invested, basically, you could understand it that way, in their generation. Dave Roberson used to say this. I remember him saying this. He, this is talking primarily about the children that died in the flood because they were being raised under an evil influence and, and the children that were not accountable. You've got to understand that there were possibly billions of them and it was absolute mercy of God for God to flood the earth and even though they might not have had a choice in it as far as electing to want to get on the ark they were being overruled by the evil of their parents they died in the flood and yet they were not condemned with that they were judged with that world but they were not condemned with that world. Does that make sense? Do you understand? These are the sometimes. These are the ones that Christ went back, along with everybody else that was in Abraham's bosom, that Christ preached to. And it says here, which were sometimes disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now answer us. In parentheses, and we're not going to teach this. Do you know what it means? Yes, I do, but I'm not going to teach it today. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authority and powers being made subject to him. Amen. This morning, you know, I'm always trying to be careful not to put too much at one time, but I wanted you to see a replica of the reality of Noah's ark and to understand that Jesus said this as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be as in the days of the coming of the son of man we have this hope what is our hope we have inside of us a diagram just as particular as everything that was slotted in Noah's heart to form every single one of those those particular cages every single one of the meticulousness of thought process for a hundred years he not only was physically building but he was he was building this is what we need this is what we're going to need for survival during that year on the ark as long as it takes as we continue to pray out these mysteries in tongues as we continue to be part and engaged in this there's never a moment in your life if you're engaged in a place, in a church, and you're part of it and saying, here's my vision, we want to see an outpouring of Christ. We want to see the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead are raised, demoniacs being set free on a continual basis, and people being born again. It's all about the end result is people being born again. We're not praying one moment amiss. Every moment that we're praying and spending time on Sunday nights around these altars and walking and praying and calling on God, the mysteries of everything Christ in us is being revealed. And you can bet as meticulous as God was in the ark, our prayers are forming something inside of us that says this is revival, it's coming, and we're going to be ready for it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Blessings. Father, we worship you, we glorify you, that the blind see, this is our confession, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, the dead are raised, demoniacs are set free, maimed are made whole, and every kind of miracle possible takes place in this outpouring that now is. 
Father, we love you. We worship you. We pray that, Lord, those things that we've seen visually this morning and even spoken will continue to remain in our hearts and in our minds in the days ahead to know that, Lord, as surely as you were with Noah, you are with us. And that, Lord God, we have an assignment to preach the gospel to our generation as Noah did to his. We bless this body and we bless those that are watching in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you this morning. We love you all.